Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of I Hate This Podcast with the one and only Just Incredible. I am Jay Miller, and we are here. It's, well, Justin, have you heard any good news stories this week? Uh, other than mine, absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna spend too much time dwelling on it. Uh, Justin did want to say one quick thing about it, and then we're just gonna go on with the show. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and let you take it away, Justin. Hi, brother. Uh, we released a joint statement, um, you know, basically representing myself in the podcast, and it was uh, pretty much this. Uh, it was, you know, and I can't speak too much about it. It's an ongoing legal thing, but it's really simple, guys. Uh, I've been married for 22 years. I had a protective order due to some family stuff that's so deep and entrenched in, and just, you know, BS that family gets into. Uh, nothing of, you know, what you might think, uh, you know, just BS. And uh, uh, we got into, my wife and I got into an argument. I called the police and uh, I got arrested because I, you know, it was a long lasting protective order that I forgot existed. And uh, bottom line, I mean, it was simple as that. And, uh, you know, people could read into it as what they may. I'm not dismissing it, but uh, my wife will tell you, and she's standing by if anybody wants to talk to her, um, you know, it's just a, you know, it's what it is. It's, it's the bottom line in the United States of America. I guess I, 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 I effed up. You don't call the freaking cops, dude, <laughs> to a family situation. My bad. But nonetheless, uh, everybody's here. Everybody's intact. Uh, we're, it's all it's one love, dude. I'm not, you know, all the horror stories I've heard on my Twitter feed, I have to dismiss and, uh, just like kind of pass on and move on. And, uh, Anyways, let's just, you know, I'll take questions. I'm not afraid to answer, but let's just roll on what we do for business, you know? Sounds great to me. Um, man, I mean, it's been a week in uh, wrestling, too. You know, SummerSlam's this coming Sunday uh, over by your neck of the woods in New York. Yes. And it's gonna. It's looking like uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Ronda Rousey is getting, you know, she's kind of become a big deal there. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, but yeah, yeah, I mean, she, she's, she's, she's just the fact that she's, uh, she's, she's caught on so quickly. I mean, she's just a fantastic athlete. She has the best attitude. I mean, uh, regardless of you know, as some people might say she's a, you know, she gets a little bit of special treatment. Well, of course she does. I mean, she's different, and uh, that's just always been the case in pro wrestling, and. Uh, I think she's doing wonders for the business in period, not just uh, for the women, for the men, for everybody, for the business. Um, I think it's a great time for pro wrestling uh, in general, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes out of this uh, this, this weekend, you know? Yeah, and, and it's kind of crazy because, I mean, you were, you know, you were a part of WWF during uh, 
the diva era where it wasn't really about if they could go in the ring. It was about how they looked. Um, you know, you also caught the tail end of the Alundra Blaze era, whereas a lot of, you know, the Japanese women coming over and it was based a lot more on athleticism. And it seems like everything's kind of come full circle with, you know, female wrestlers where it's back to being about the athleticism and, you know, and more character driven than, oh, they look good in a two piece. Absolutely. And I, I, I tell you what, I couldn't be more proud of the, of the, you know, of all of the ladies uh, in the past five, you know, seven, five, seven to five years, I wouldn't say 10 years, but the last seven to five years that have really come up in this business that are just so athletically driven, so phenomenal, so beautiful and just but not just beautiful in looks, but beautiful in what they do in the ring. Um, I think that translates, I mean, beauty you can interpret in all kinds of, of shapes and, and sizes and colors and creeds and whatever you want. But the beauty and what we look for is also we want a kick-ass professional wrestler. And the ladies have brought it uh, night in, night out for years now. And I'm so proud of uh, what, you know, uh, Triple H, Paul Levesque, and the WWE have done uh, with that. I mean, they're really ahead of it. Uh, they've been, I mean... You know, you're always looking for the next big thing. The ladies have been waiting for it for a long time and well-deserving of it. So I'm, I'm just happy it's happening because they deserve it. They truly do. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, you even look, you know, during the Diva era, you have someone like Trish Stratus who started off oh. as just a supermodel they brought in, and she actually turned into being uh, an amazing, you know, worker in the ring. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I remember uh, before Trish actually got into the WWF at the time, um, she used to uh, model, do uh, muscle fitness uh, modeling for, uh, you know, Muscle Mag, which is based out of Toronto, Canada. And, uh, I mean, a lot of the guys, you know, we always used to want to read up on, you know, what's the latest trend, the diets, and, you know, what's the new, you know, whatever, the workout, you know, the new best thing, whatever. But they would always model Trish Stratus because she was one of the most beautiful women, but also most physically fit, athletic. I mean, she was the bomb in every way, not just, I mean, I know Trish, she's a sweetheart of a woman. But besides, I mean, but she had all the physical attributes to be a kick-ass performer, and she embraced the sport of professional wrestling. And, uh, you know, she really won a lot of people over, uh, you know, in, in the community of, of pro wrestling, which, uh, as everybody here that I'm assuming listens to the podcast knows that pro wrestling fans are a different breed and we like our certain, you know, we like people that respect the business and she definitely did. She didn't have to, um, but she did. And uh, she made out great and she's a hall of famer today and God bless her. She's still doing her thing, you know? So yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, again, it started, it started there. I mean, it started with a Lunder blaze, Medusa, uh, coming in a bull Nakano and, you know, you can go back to Sherry Martell, so many other great ones, man. Uh, it, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to go back all the way, but uh, it's just, I'm glad that the, that the young ladies or all the ladies are, are doing it today. You know? Yeah. Now ECW had its fair amount of uh, female talent in its day. While you were there, I know you and Fr- uh, Francine were linked together pretty tight there in ECW. Uh, what was the dif- difference in atmosphere for the female workers in ECW uh, compared to, say, a WWE? 
Well, I, I mean, really not very much. Uh, you know, as much as, uh, you know, I know Francine has, uh, and I really don't know why. I think I said something in a shoot interview that did not, uh, you know, please her. Uh, but, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I hold Francine in the highest regard. I think she was a pioneer in uh, in, in, in ladies, uh, performers. You know, she was absolutely amazing. She did everything you could ever ask. Uh, you know, awesomely talented, uh, strong interview. I mean, she was just a, she was, she always did what she was asked, but more, I mean, it it sounds simplistic, but more so. I mean, she was a very amazing young lady and uh, it it just started it off. And Dawn Marie too. And you know who, who another person that doesn't get brought up into the conversation for going into ECW ladies was chastity. She was oh, yes. a badass, a badass, and she got a little run in WCW, but she knew what she was doing. She was a good worker, talented girl. She knew how to sell. I mean, just so jazz as well, who, in my opinion, uh, is right up there with one of the best of the best, who, unfortunately, I don't feel got the right chance because she was probably one of the best at the time. So it was just so many, I mean, so many great ladies coming out of that era. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just glad today that finally we're looking at the ladies division as uh, somebody that could take over the show. And, that, and that's really awesome because, uh, you know, it, it's not a TNA show anymore as what for a long time WWE and both ECW marketed it as uh, because we did, honestly, I don't feel they knew how to market it uh, other than that. But uh, today the ladies prove that they're just as badass as the men, and that's amazing and awesome, and I love it. I think it's badass, dude. Now, speaking of uh, females in ECW, uh, what I know you worked a little bit with Nicole Bass. What was that like? Oh, yeah. Well, she was, uh, you know, I, I always, Nicole was one of the most sweetest. I mean, she was a big, big girl. I mean, a big human being, period, not just a girl, you know, you know, compared to a man. Uh, she was a big person, but she was she was the most, and guys, you know, would never know this if they didn't know her. She was a very feminine, light-hearted soul who, to this day, has the strings of my heart because I, I got to really get personal with her and her family. Uh, what a wonderful uh, human being who was very misunderstood. As someone like uh you know I, I don't I don't I don't dare to compare people but like a Joni Lawler you know like Joni like China um, very misunderstood I think they're just such beautiful spirits that sometimes because they're such great athletes or or look so different from the other uh, people that it uh, it you know you don't know how to package that or put it in a in a, you know what I mean in a in a box but they were very right. special uh, individuals. You know? Now, when Nicole Bass passed away, I think it was about a year ago, uh, did that hit you pretty hard? Uh, it, it did, but it didn't, unfortunately. And uh, it's just one of those things. The last time I saw Nicole, she didn't indicate that she was not doing well, but you could just tell she was, uh, you know, she was not in shape. And, and what I mean by not in shape was she was just not healthy. I don't mean like, you know, I don't expect everybody to be in shape shape. That's not what I mean, but you could just tell like she was in bad physical shape. And uh, I could tell that it wasn't long for her, unfortunately, because, you know, you could speculate all you want on what, you know, 
whatever uh, with, with stuff, and, you know, I, I, I don't even want to go there. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about, hinting around, but I shouldn't even play with the words. Um, but, you know, I could just tell that she was tired, and she didn't have long for our, our earth or this earth. And, uh, you know, it, it's a shame, but, uh, you know, she never got the uh, the just do because, you know, it's a, it, that's, it's a chapter. This is a whole other podcast, but she was a very complicated person with a complicated past, just like any, any other human being. But uh, it would not do, do her justice, I, I should say, to, to just say, like, one statement and have, her, have it define her because she was much more than that. I mean, she was, a, she was a badass chick. She worked her ass off her whole life and uh, underprivileged, fought, fought through the odds. And, uh, you know, did the best she could. So, uh, you know, it, it was sad, you know, very sad. Definitely, definitely. Um, so let's talk. Now, we talked about the evolution of um, women wrestlers from, you know, the start of your career to where they are now. Um, there's also another topic I brought up to you uh, earlier in the week is, like, you know, you were in ECW. ECW was considered hardcore um, you know, and they had the barbed wire and all that stuff. Um, but have you seen some of these videos recently from this new era of hardcore? I mean, guys setting themselves on fire and and just just a lot of dumb stuff that it goes beyond hardcore yeah. wrestling. Just where it's like it's like yeah. gore porn. Uh, what do you think about like how hardcore wrestling has become? Um. Man, it, it, that's a loaded question, and I'll try to answer it the best I can. I love uh, what ECW did because ECW, um, Extreme Championship Wrestling, did mean hardcore wrestling, but it didn't just mean garbage, trash, uh, light. You know, we never, you know, it's not about light tubes and barbed wire. There were only so many. If you really go back in the history of ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, there were only so many barbed wire matches. You could probably count them on one or two hands. Um, but it, it was more of the attitude of giving it your best, giving it your all, um, going out there and just being the best you could be. Um, so, like, I was watching, it's ironic, Jay, you talked about this today, because I went back and I was watching YouTube. You know, I had a long couple of days. Um, really, uh past three days, I, you know, I was locked away. I was locked up in jail, dude. You know, I just got out last night, so uh, I was... You know, I just got on. I just got home, and I was just trying to watch something on YouTube that would just clear my mind. And I ran across something that said ECW 1999 from 2000. Oh my God, moments. You know, and uh, and I saw the stuff, and half the oh my God moments was like badass stuff from like Rob Van Dam or to Jerry Super Crazy and Guido. Or, you know, me and Dreamer, me and Sandman, or Lance Storm, you know, Raven. But stuff that you wouldn't uh, necessarily equate with hardcore wrestling, like the, the garbage-style wrestling. It was, you know, there was some New Jack stuff. And, of course, New Jack's one of the greatest, dude. I love Jack. It's highly entertaining and highly underrated. I think Jack is way better than he's ever given credit for. He was bad at, not just he was a bad at, he was a great worker. People don't get that. People think he was just a crazy, you know, motherfucker who went out there. No, he was a great worker. He could take bumps. He knew how to wrestle. People don't ever give him credit for that. But uh, that was the ECW was more of the extreme champion, but meaning extreme effort, extreme like you go out there every night in front of 
however many people and perform to the best of your ability. And uh, the garbage wrestling nude, uh, now I think, and when I see it, it's it's not sloppy. It's And I'm not dissing on anybody, dude. I know guys are trying their hardest, but it's almost irresponsible. Because you know what? Being a veteran of doing it 300 days a year, it's great when you do it once a month. But do it 300 times a year and try to get over. Terry Funk taught me this lesson too. You know, Terry Funk's the baddest of the bad. You 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 know you talk hardcore. You you talk about the Sheik, the original Sheik Sabu. You know, uh, Sabu's uncle. You know, you talk about Terry Funk. You talk about Dusty Rhodes. You talk about the greats. Um, there was you know you couldn't do certain things every night or you'd be dead. I mean this this stuff isn't no joke. I mean people might think oh it's a war you know yeah it's all you know it's what it is but it's uh, it's a lot harder than people will ever imagine or, or will ever give it credit for. So um, uh, I know I I dismiss a lot of it because it's really easy for a weekend warrior to go out there and put themselves through uh, light tubes and you know jump off twenty foot gimmicks where, you know, dude, you break your neck for 50 bucks, dude. Try to make a name. God bless you. Let me see you in five years when you're trying to get a job and you can barely move. Uh, in the real world, not much less in professional wrestling. You got to right. weigh out. Not- you got to weigh it out. You know, you got to weigh it out. It doesn't always work out that way, and that's a hard fact that I've learned. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bittersweet pill, but uh, I, I really dismiss it a lot, and I, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a stupid thing for me to say coming from the world of ECW, but uh, it, it's true because I learned it I learned it early that you got to be a smart person to survive, um, and at the end of the day, it's all work, brother. It's all I mean, it, work. You know? The way, the way I always looked at it, like, ECW was hardcore for its time, but it was a controlled violence. It wasn't, you know, everything oh, they really did was stuff you can control in the ring to where it doesn't get horrible, when this new stuff, when they're, you know, they're light tubes and, you know, all this crazy stuff they're doing, you know, I saw someone, uh, the, whatever the, the sticks are that they're sticking each other's heads out there, like just stupid stuff, are the stupid syringes. Stuff. The syringes yeah, I don't I, get. Like, no, no one's poking me with the syringe. I don't care how much you're paying me. I don't care how much you're paying me, dude. You know what? I've, I've done a lot in this business and more than most. Uh, and I'm I, and I'm not very high on myself these days, but I'll say more than most. Um, I'm a, a former world champion. I didn't have to main event. I could main event doing a, a regular wrestling match. I could I could top Rob Van Dam and Sabu in a pay per view because I've done it. Uh, Jerry Lynn and I have done it. Uh, you know whatever. Uh, and that sounds cocky as hell, but it's true. Um, I and I know we're trying. We're in a very sensationalist, sensationalistic society of. What's the next biggest thing? What? How are we going to shock people? How are we going to get people to watch this uh, YouTube video, this clip, this thing I'm about to put out to try to get over? I get it, dude, and God bless you for it. But um, it just, it's, it, it just, you know, it sends a bad. It, it's not professional. There goes a time where it's not professional wrestling. You know, it's not professional wrestling. Oh, Mr. Sabu, just no, I didn't like anything I said. Sorry, I'm on my Twitter feed. I thought Sabu chimed in on our conversation, but he didn't. Sorry. False alarm. <laughs> False alarm. Beauty of live podcasting. It's funny because I'm actually going to be uh, working for the Sheik's son here in a few weeks. 
the original Sheik, Eddie Farhat, Farhat's son. Mm. He's still running up there in Michigan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a different breed, totally. Um, now, earlier you brought up that video you shared, and I actually watched it, and you talked about super crazy uh, Guido and Tajiri. Because I know you main evented pretty much all the time in ECW. You were the last match on the card. Was there ever yep. a time yeah. where you looked and was like, how the hell am I going to follow that? With anyone, oh, not just that, those three, but with anyone yeah. in the company. I remember one of the first times I had to main event. I think it was uh, ECW Arena 99. It was me and Tommy Dreamer. Um, and Tommy, you know, today Tommy's Mr. ECW. Mr. And then got any deserves. He was ECW. Um, but, it was, you, know, it, it, you know, it's like I felt, you know, it was going to be a hard sell for the fans because they'd seen the match several times. You know, to say the least. Um, and the opening match was Balls and Axel versus the Dudleys. And you know how Bubba gets. And they, they pretty much incite the riot. First match, you know, uh, going in. And I'm like, and I go to Paul, right? And I'm like, we're both at the curtain. I'm like, Paul, how the fuck am I supposed to follow this? He goes, PJ, if you weren't worthy and if you can't follow it, then we'll have to find somebody else. Like, basically, like, you're up for the challenge, bitch. You want to be the top guy? Show me you can be the top guy. You know? Prove me wrong. You know, not prove me wrong, but it's like, top these motherfuckers. And we didn't top it through violence. We had to top it through psychology and, and you know, but, but it was intimidating. I mean, you have two WWE Hall of Famers in the Dudleys. Balls and Axel, who were, you know, two of, you know, my favorite wrestlers ever to work with. Um, and they're on first, and I'm on, like, three and a half. If you've ever been to an ECW arena show, which I know a lot of you probably haven't, uh, we're going back many years, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a long affair. And to be on last match and to still pop the crowd was very intimidating. But, it, you know, it was Paul sent, you know, Paul Heyman was always, I'll say, I'll tell the, everybody says it. Paul Heyman was probably the greatest motivational speaker of all time. He should have had Tony Robbins sold out by the gate. You know, if anybody knows who Tony Robbins is, a great motivational speaker who I actually adore. But, uh, you know, Paul Heyman was better. He made you believe that, you know, you're watching Flair Steamboat on first. You, just incredible, and Tommy Dreamer could go on last and still beat him, you know. Put on a better performance. That's how he made you feel. So of course you have, you know, you're still full of piss and vinegar, and you're going to go out there and try to put on. And we succeeded, obviously, because we stayed on top. And uh, but it was just, you know, it was a great competitive spirit. Professional wrestling, being uh, sports entertainment, whatever you say, it wants to be, it's still the most competitive game in the entire world. It is no different than football, basketball. People are going in wanting the best, doing the best, fighting as hard as they can, taking hard bumps, working as hard as they can to beat the next match. And that's that beautiful competitive spirit that I feel is still professional wrestling. And, could and, and that's, to this day. That's, that's crazy because that just shows we're on the same track level. Because my next question was going to be about Paul Heyman and his motivational, you know, speeches. Like, was there ever a time where you're just like, man, I don't even know if I want to, 
you know, go out there and Paul gave you that little fire you needed? Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, he would literally put you out there and he would, he would, I mean, he would literally, you wouldn't even know what's happening. You're just getting ready. And I, I always have a certain uh, zone I'm in, uh, a certain place I want to be. Like, I won't talk to you, you know, whoever my opponent is, an hour before the match, I won't even talk to you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to come near you. I want to get into character. And I'm just, you know, I got this from Steve Austin. I worked with Steve for almost an entire year before it became Stone Cold. And he'll document this on both his podcasts and tell you from his own voice. We did this together. And we would just go out there and go balls to the wall, hardcore, whatever the hell he wanted to do. He caught it, and we made Stone Cold. Um, and I did. I took that same attitude with Just Incredible because I learned from the best. And, you know, about an hour into the match, you know, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I would just go out there and just, we live it. That's when we live in that world. That's when we completely just become that character. We just inject ourselves and, and pretend. And I hate to say the word pretend is very dismissive and very uh, aloof almost. Uh, the way I'm trying to say it, but you you got to believe in that character for it to get over. Paul would make you believe you're just incredible. You're in the main event. You're that guy right now. I need you, PJ. PJ, you're going to go out there and you're going to sell me these many tickets. And you're going to, you know, whatever the hell Paul had to say. And he was, he was, he was fucking Al Pacino in The Devil's Advocate. That character, if you ever watched the movie, he was the devil in The Devil's Advocate, you know, and that's that's the guy that Heyman was, but he motivated you to be better because he was holding the keys to the kingdom and the way he'd look and care. Just the way he cuts promos. Imagine him cutting a personal promo to you every night. PJ, this is yours. It's so, you know, you got the world in your fucking hands. Just take it. You know, like, you're like, huh? Okay, I'll fucking take her. You know, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But, you know, he was just so powerful. And he, he was working everybody before we all knew we were getting work. And whatever. I mean, I have no heat towards Paul. He never, you know what? At the end of the day, he never fucking uh, missed my paycheck. I showed up at the motherfucker's house. But that's <laughs> what you pulled the word, worry about. Not me. You paid me. But I digress. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Now, you worked for both Vince and Paul. Who was the better motivational speaker out of the two? Oh, Paul. Paul. Paul knew Paul knew how to make uh, chicken salad out of chicken shit. And I don't mean that to, to diss any of the guys, but Paul took, you know, we were the island of misfit toys. Everybody said it. It's not the first. Uh, it's not an original phrase by me. Guys have said it in documentaries and whatever. Um, he took the, the the mishmash of what was available, the, you know, and the, the guys that nobody wanted, and he molded them. I was a guy with a jock strap, you know what I mean? I was a guy that wore a fucking yellow jock strap on his head. Um, again, as a 20-year-old kid who's not going to – I'll challenge any 20-year-old kid to make $100,000 and wear a jock strap on their head. Tell me if you don't do it. Please call me up. I'll give you my number. Call me up right now. Tell me you won't do it. Any indie wrestler, I'll. I'll, I'll don't worry. I'll wait. What are you gonna do? You know, don't want, really. You know. So I took it. I did the best I could, but I learned and I worked with some of the best. 
in those years of the jockstrap. So it allowed me, and one thing that uh, gained my advantage, Paul, in my in my opinion, as this is not, you know, I'm not, um, you know, throwing shit out there, but uh, in my opinion, because I knew how to work TV, I was experienced in working Monday Night Raw, WWE, you know, or WWF Superstar, WWE Challenge. I've wrestled, you know, some of the greats, you know, Kurt Henning, you know, Undertaker, blah blah, blah whatever. I had more experience than, let's say, Mikey Whitbrick or the Sandman. I knew where the cameras were. It was a smaller setting, so I knew how to kind of, even though I was a jabron in the big leagues, I knew I could come into this little, smaller federation, and I knew these guys didn't necessarily know the things I knew. If that makes sense? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, so I, I at least had that. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, that was my advantage. And I just, look, it, it, it's all about learning. It's all about progressing. And it's all about being bold. I mean, at a young age, I was very bold. I, I went for it. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff you throw against the wall, a lot of it sticks, a lot of it doesn't, you know. So, it, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I, Paul Paul is still to this day uh, one of the best. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, and he, he, he brought Brock. I think he's helped Brock so much, and so people don't much. even understand oh. that. You know, Brock, yeah. I mean, Brock's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal. You know, he has the look and all that, but at the same time, you know, Brock without any charisma would have never made where made it without Paul as the mouthpiece. I I agree. I mean, I, look, Brock is probably one of the most phenomenal athletes. Period. In the past ten years, it's not more. I mean, I mean, this guy, this guy's been phenomenal since he came out of the NCAA. Um, you know, and uh, let's face it. I mean, to at, the, at his age, to even contend in the UFC while still holding, uh, you know, a professional wrestling title uh, like the WWE title or whatever the hell it's called, but he's, you know, he's a major player in both organizations. That's unprecedented, and uh, it gives the business. Uh, very certain kind of, uh, you know, it just, it, 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 there's a special feeling going on. It's like stuff's not, you know, it, it, this is the closest we've come to Monday Night Wars style competition, not only with uh, what's going on with Brock and the UFC, but with the Bullet Club and, and, and their ROA, you know, the whole New Japan. And just so much excitement, so much positivity into the world of pro wrestling. Uh, that I think it's just, it's just uncanny. And, uh, I would find it hard-pressed for anybody to argue that this is a really, really amazing time for pro wrestling and unprecedented, quite frankly. Well, look at All In. I mean, All In selling out a 10,000, you know, seat arena. The first show to do that that wasn't under a McMahon control in, in decades. And then Ring of Honor turns around and sells out Madison Square Garden. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, That's it's crazy. Insane. I mean... No one's ever ran Madison Square Garden who didn't have the last name McMahon. And ROH comes in and they sell it out in less than an hour. I mean, it's it's wrestling is in a revival for sure. Um, You know, it 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 really is, and it's but it's so exciting. Uh, And and. It, it, and if I may, like I don't, I don't just like to talk. I don't podcast, Jay, and I think you know this by now. I just don't like to talk about wrestling. I like to bring it across all platforms: music, 
you know, entertainment, oh, yeah. whatever. But uh, it's really uh, very similar to what's going on in music and the recording industry. You know, uh, nowadays, you know, back in the day, you needed a recording label. Uh, hence, let's say, a WWE to, uh, you know, to, to uh, you know, to promote your stuff. Now, an independent label like an ROH or guys like, you know, the Bullet Club can put on their own stuff independently because of all the platforms we have with social media, Twitch, all the other stuff. I mean, I'm just starting, you know, just a little bit. You know, but there's you don't need a label to back you like you don't need WWE to back you. So uh, the platforms are very similar. Now is a time where, uh, as a fan of, if you're a fan of music, you're a fan of wrestling, it's all interchangeable. It's it's the time of this is what I like, this is what I support. Um, you can you know it, it's easily accessible to buy merchandise to buy. Whatever platform you're interested in, you can buy New Japan Pro Wrestling where you could never do that before. And they're breaking new ground. I mean, what New Japan World is doing with their with their own network. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. And uh, and it's not taking. And that's the funny thing. It's not taking away from WWE at all. It's not hurting WWE's business. If anything, it's strengthening the interest in the product that is called professional wrestling without uh, i hate the sports entertainment uh moniker but it's it's that professional wrestling thing that's uh it, it's cultural you know what the last time i saw anything professional wrestling in hot topics was in the 1990s when ecw <laughs> and some in some of my own shirts fixed with along with ecw stuff and the nwo stuff now the bullet club has their own stuff uh, at hot topics so that tells oh, me yeah. that there's a tr- there's a trend because they don't just play around. You know, they they get the cultural, whatever the cultural phenom is. And ECW was certainly a cultural phenom. I used to go by the mall myself and see a Sabu shirt and freak out. Like, oh, my God, Sabu's shirt is at Hot Topics? Are you kidding me? You know, and uh, it was just fucking, it was awesome, dude. And I think we're going through the same thing today with the Bullet Club and with what's going on. I think it's amazing. And everybody wins. WWE wins. Independent wrestlers win. Independent companies win. Everybody wins with this competition. And I think Paul Levesque recognized that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, they could squash all of this by just throwing a, throwing around million-dollar deals to everybody. But I think the the energy of competition, and, you know, I think he understands this, will always thrive and why they always will want. It needs to exist. We, we, we saw what happened when WCW died. It was a 10-year period where wrestling was controlled and manipulated by one party. And fans didn't like it because you either take it or leave it. And if you don't like it, you're fucked. Now, there's a little bit different flavor. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. This New Japan shit, Bullet Club shit, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega. I mean, this is all, you know, the Bucks. This is all, like, crazy shit, you know? So, I, I love it, dude. I love it. I think it's great for the business. It's great for the boys. Great for the business. Great for money. Great for everybody. Great for us in the podcast. Quite frankly. Hey, and that is, you're yeah. damn right with that. Uh, and let, let's uh, let's take a break here a minute to toot our own horn. Right now, there are 2,740 episodes streaming live on Blog Talk Radio. We're in the top five for listeners. So. Thanks to all the fans out there. We're in the top five out of over 2,000 podcasts right now on this platform. So, 
people want to hear what we have to say, it looks like. Well, might not be right, but we got something to say, that's for sure, Jay. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> go ahead, brother. Shit. Uh, I was just going to say, why, you know, while we're talking about all the great things going on, let's also talk about what's going on over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Just Incredible. You have some awesome shirts up there, um, and I think fans would be happy to get any of them. You've got some really nice, badass designs up there. Man, I, I, I got a couple of different things. Uh, you know, I got the old school uh, ECW era classics, the Got Blood, uh, the original. Uh, I got two original prints of uh, the ECW uh, T-shirts that they put out back in the uh, you know late 90s. I got a couple of Aldo Montoya, Fear the Jockstrap uh, T-shirts, and uh, the new, you know, uh, a.k.a. Bullet Club slash ripoff, <laughs> uh, just incredible uh <laughs> you know, gimmicks, but, uh, no, man, it's all good, dude. It's, it's just, it's a great, you know, and I got, you know, what I'm most proud about is, uh, you know, what we're going to be putting out personally for the podcast and, uh, the new TCW shirts, uh, Twitch championship wrestling, which is something I'm part of, um, which is like next level stuff for me. I'm, I'm, you know, for the first time ever, I'm doing like the Twitch thing, I'm starting to get into gaming and I uh, just put out a just incredible, like a credible club kind of, you know, again, a bullet club kind of a uh, theme into uh, some gaming stuff. So just check it out, man. It's really cool stuff. Very well made. Pro Wrestling Tees does it best for all the, all the, all the guys and, and the gals. So uh, please check out ProWrestlingTees.com and especially ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Just Incredible, man. It's awesome stuff. They they even have the T-shirt on there that you were wearing in the video game for ECW, which is pretty sure. neat. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, neat. Yeah, they have the they have the Got Blood. They have the I Hate This Town, and uh, hence the I Hate This Podcast. You know, <laughs> and, and the, the one. one and, uh, and you know the, go ahead, go ahead. I just gotta say the one in the video game with your pose over your name. Uh, that was actually in the ECW video game. Oh, I remember that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> goodness, that's going back a long time. Jeez. Hey, I played but it no, on I, the PlayStation. I, I have to, I've exhausted, you know what is the funny thing is I tried to tell my kids cause you know, there are, there are a lot, obviously they weren't around for the original PlayStation, but I'm like, you know, dad has a game or two on PlayStation one and two. And he's like, yeah, right. And I give it to him. There's a, what's the, what's the second one? Is it anarchy rules? Um, I think there was a second one. Cause I think the first one was just East hardcore wrestling. Yeah. It was, and the yeah, second one was anarchy it. rules. I'm on the cover of Anarchy Rules, and I look pretty badass. My kids still won't put it over, dude. It, it takes care <laughs> you. My, my kids aren't interested in me. They're interested in uh, some, you know, whatever else is going on. But uh, nonetheless, I'm very proud of that goddamn game. Even though well, those games were horrible. That, they were pretty horrible. And you know what? They were all the ripoffs of uh, the WWE makeup games. You know what I mean? Right. But you know what? I, and again, I'm getting background uh, chatter, but it's it's good information. The original uh, WWE Raw game and uh, what essentially became the ECW games. The motion capture was myself and Dr. Tom Pritchard. Nobody knows that. Really? We're the green suits. Yes, we were the green motion capture for wow. the uh, original ECW games. Yeah, and the Raw games as well. Yeah, we did uh, a lot of work extensively for a claim. You know, so that's how I met my wife. By the way. So, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. A little side note. Yeah. I just I just tweeted you the cover of the video game there. Let me see. 
I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, I just threw it up there. Oh, there, I mean, there, there you, it is. There it is. No, I see it. I see it. Wow. <laughs> you kind of look like you're mid-orgasm in that picture on the cover. Dude, I look pretty – dude, I was all gassed up. I was like 245, gassed to the gills. I looked great. I was too big, though. I couldn't breathe in the ring. But <laughs> it looked good, right? Not too bad. Yeah. I, I've well, seen worse. You know, I don't look like that anymore, kid. <laughs> well, you know, now now they have CGI and everything, so. Right, so they just, yeah. <laughs> we can fix all abs. that. We could paint some abs on you, dude. You'll be fine. Don't worry, don't worry about it, kid. Just get out there. No one will even notice. No one past <laughs> the first row will notice. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just get out there. That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, my God, that's... Uh, now... So let's talk about now, like, okay, so after ECW, you went back to WWE, of course, for the X-Factor run, and then the uh, invasion angle you were there for. Uh, what was it like going back to the indie scene after that? I mean, you you really weren't on the indie scene too much in between your runs with ECW and WWE, were you? No, not, not at all, actually. Not at all. I hadn't done a, a single indie show from, uh, let's say, 93 to, like, 2003. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there was, a good, there was a good 10 years. And that was the first 10 years of my career, kind of. So I was, like, kind of still signed out, signed straight out the gate. And, uh, no, I didn't I didn't know indie wrestling. So, yeah, I, I went kind of, I, re, I regressed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, how, how did it feel going from, you know, an arena with thousands of people to going to, you know, a high school gym or, YMCA where they fit maybe a couple hundred in there. Uh, I normally would say it sucked, but there was a learning experience in all of that too for me. Um, you know, uh, I, I knew how to play to, and I'm, I'm not even just going to say uh, big arenas, but hot arenas, arenas where there are fans that care, that are fans that are passionate, I should say. Um, and then I went to, you know, arenas where there were less passionate fans and they were just kind of there to, you know, watch the show, uh, smaller amounts, obviously. Very difficult, very difficult, uh, not just from an ego standpoint, but from uh, just uh, what you get as a performer, like the satisfaction you get, dude. You know, uh, I, you know, I, like uh, I, I can only attest to it, like as you're playing music, you know, a lot of bands that, you know, you know, there's some bands that will go out there and they're more than happy to play the hits, you know, just get their, you know, their, get their old shtick in. Like, that's pretty much what I do today. Like, I'm just getting the hits in, dude. But uh, in those days, like, I still wanted to be that, that guy that made a difference. And uh, it did not necessarily always uh, a gel with what, you know, it didn't always work out that way. That The interest wasn't always there. So uh, it was very hard. It, was, it wasn't easy. And it actually was very humbling. Um, to go back into that uh, level, but it, I made it made me appreciate it more uh, because now uh, indie wrestling to me is 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 just as as important now than it's ever been, dude. Indie wrestling is the lifeblood because indie wrestling, if you look at the main roster of the WWE, is half of the the top guys are born and bred independent wrestlers, and most of them went through the Northeast through a lot of the federations that I know and I was a part of. You know, I, I saw AJ Styles wrestle his first handful of matches. Uh, 
Samoa Joe. I saw him 12 years ago. Uh, and, you know, and it goes down the line. You know, we sit here all day. Loki and I are fucking great friends. You know, it keeps going. Uh, there's so many great Dan Moss, so many great professional wrestlers um, that that come from the indie scene that are doing it today still and at a high level. I mean, all the you know, and it, it's just it's so cool. I don't know if I'm answering the question, but all I know is that uh, it just made me appreciate indie wrestling uh, to a level I never appreciated it, and it's so important. And it brings it back really to the roots, dude, of what, why we do this, you know? Definitely, definitely. Now, uh, I was actually, I just got caught off guard because I was just scrolling through my Twitter timeline, and the picture of you popped up today, and I saw it earlier, but for a second, I'm like, how'd Billy Corgan get on my timeline? I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, God. I just, well, I, I literally well, just saw the bald head in the shirt, and I'm like, oh, Billy Corgan. I'm like, oh, wait, that's the same picture he sent me earlier, and it's still kind of off guard. Well, 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 Billy has that curse on you, and I saw him uh, 10 days ago at Mohegan Sun, and he kind of has that curse on you, and then a certain producer from a podcast that I do ended up being so kind to send me a T-shirt that I've wanted since I was, like, probably 20. Um, so, yeah, then I just, I get to just, you know, play cool rock star dude and look like a tool at the same time. So, and I just got out of jail, so I'm super happy. Yay. <laughs> Speaking of Billy Corgan, he's kind of made the news this week as well. He uh, he talked about the whole TNA situation uh, where yeah, he said pretty uh, much TNA screwed him. Uh, you know, out yeah. of the one point eight million dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I, I look. Uh, I only know what I. You know, uh, one thing about my relationship with him, dude, is it's it's just I, I don't do business like you know I've never done business with him like that. So I I wouldn't know any of that stuff. But man, just hearing it from a media standpoint, um, it doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. Um, and it is crazy, and it's crazy because. If, uh, you know, they just, they've had so, you know, it's a shame because TNA really had so many wonderful opportunities to make it to, uh, I mean, I know they're doing good stuff now with the the guys they have today running it. Scott Demore, especially, who's a friend, um, you know, a very good friend. of Don Callis. Don, you know, of course, Jesus, you know. We're great guys. Uh, I, I, you know, they're, you know, couldn't ask for more, but uh, they really had an opportunity then. And Billy, Billy has a, he's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. I'm not just talking about music, art, wrestling, anything creative. I'm talking about, like, you know, politics and world history. I mean, he's just a, he knows a lot, and he's a very intelligent human being. And he, he doesn't, he approaches it, you know, he is not just a, a mark. He is a true uh, connoisseur of professional wrestling. He probably knows more about professional wrestling than I do, quite frankly. You know, he really does take take what we do very seriously, and he honors it. Um, and you know, uh, it, and it's you know, I, I honestly think they, the TNA dropped the ball huge with Billy, and they should be ashamed. Whoever was running management, I'm not I'm not sure of the people in charge or whatever's the fans or what's. It was the Dixie Carter, Carter era. Doesn't surprise me, dude. But uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. I, I was, I like I said, I. You know, I, I wasn't there. I couldn't say about it, but uh, you know, you just hear the rumors. But uh, you know, Billy, Billy was truly an asset, it, and is truly an asset. Somebody of his stature that loves our business and is intelligent about our business. 
and could push our business forward. He could only help with his uh, his honest to God love for it and passion, you know, and his creativity. That's a blessing. You know, I, I, you know, not to kiss his ass, but he's a fucking genius, dude. How many Grammy Awards has he fucking won? How many millions of albums has he sold? Uh, you know, and he's lending his creative hat to professional wrestling. And, you know, this is what you get. And you, and you have a national platform. You know, it's kind of suspect, you know. So I always, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I never get too far, you know, to one side or to the other. I don't know enough. But uh, just... I, I, it's just it's shocking, and I'm, and I know one thing is that uh, Billy is super um, stoked. I could say this easily that he's super stoked about uh, September and going into Chicago with this paper. Even though he's not going to be there, personally, he's going to be on tour. But just what he's you know, Cody Rhodes going you know for I, it was the Cody and Nick Aldis right? That's yep. the deal going the NBA in. title. Yeah, that's a big that's a big freaking deal, dude. And just how you know, just the fact that the you know we have the potential of a Rhodes, you know what I mean, another Rhodes family member being an NWA World Champion, that's huge. I mean, I don't I I don't know if, if people understand how important that is to the business of professional wrestling, but the NWA means a lot. Uh, I hate stake is probably. Uh, you know, this is this is, but this is authentic. This is something that the business has needed for a long time. It's something original, something organic, um, and this doesn't feel contrived. It's not like a hype. You know, it's not like a lucha underground versus impact. It's like a, you know, it's just very organic, and I love what they're doing with NWA. Not you know, and uh, and I think they're doing the namesake proud, and I really hope that. Uh, and I know, I don't hope, I know that it's going to come out of all in as positive for both, you know, everybody involved with the Rhodes camp, Bullet Club camp, all those boys putting it in the bucks, and it's going to work out for the NWA. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great for pro wrestling. It's going to be a historic night for everybody involved. I mean, I, I wish, you know, I was invited to come, unfortunately I can't, uh, to StarCast. I was invited to come from uh, Matt Coon's camp, but I can't. Unfortunately, uh, have other commitments, but uh, it's going to be badass, dude. And it's it's I bet you it's 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 it'll be more watched. I guarantee you, more watched than the original SummerSlam. First out the gate, there's that much hype going into that all-in event because it's so unique. It's so different from anything else. And I mean, maybe I'm a mark. Maybe I'm buying into the hype. But watch if you really get the number breakdown, see what happens. I'm willing to bet on it. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Bill, uh, Billy Corgan has made the NWA relevant for the first time in decades. Um, and it's awesome yep. to see what he's doing with it. Now, we, we mentioned Impact and TNA. Um, you went there. You worked there for their Hardcore Justice pay-per-view in 2010 against uh, Stevie Richards, I think you were in there with. Um, I was, yep. And that was during the Hogan era of TNA. How was it like? What was the backstage atmosphere that night? Uh, it was it was so silly, dude. It was it was uh, it was just from the atmosphere. At least from what again, from my perspective, it was a joke. Nobody took it seriously. And, uh, when we went, let me put it this way: when we went to the original one night stand, 
and I was at one night, you know, the second one night stand, and then I got a deal uh, from then on for a little bit. But it was different. When you went into the TNA uh, Hardcore Justice, it was a joke. Everybody was there, just like, eh, screw it, it's gonna be a, real. you know, it was just, and everybody treated it that way. We because um, I think TNA's office at the time just it just screamed out, we're marks, we're gonna sell for whatever bullshit you put out there, and they didn't even let us be original. Like there was a fake blue meanie. Like really, what other what other blue meanie could be? You know, there was like Brian is the blue meanie. There's no other blue meanie, dude. And there was some fat guy that I never saw before as the blue meanie. And I don't even know who blue else was Kelly. out there. It was so bad, dude. It was just really bad stuff, and uh, just a poor imitation, you know, of uh, of the offense. One thing that WWE. As stubborn as Vince sometimes may seem, um, you know, sometimes he breaks through with moments like Hardcore or uh, like ECW One Night Stand, the original one. That was brilliant. It came at a time where people were just still into it enough. The guys were still young enough and relevant enough. I mean, you couldn't do it today. You couldn't do it five years ago. But at the time, it was still, you know, it was a long time ago. You know, you still pull it off. Um, and, and Vince was smart enough to recognize it. He, and by the time TNA got the concept, it was four or five years too late. It was already antiquated. You know, it, it seemed old, outdated, and it seemed like a ripoff of something that was ripped off. That's something that was already, you know, it was like a <laughs> triple makeover, you know. So it was like, yeah, we're just being, you know. And then the pay, you know, the sad thing is, the payoff wasn't even that great, so I shouldn't have even done it myself, put over Stevie fucking Ridges. Now you That's say true. that now. Now, now I got I got to talk about it. I got to talk about it because I I heard uh, a comment that Stevie made in a shoot interview about you. Where I mean, he just pretty much put you down. Is there a lot of heat there between you and Stevie? Never, not to my knowledge. He always kissed my ass. He's just a fucking mark. He's a little bitch mark that fucking I don't know what got up his ass, what crawled up his ass and fucking died in it. But he was always a little bitch-ass Mark, and I treated him with respect. He's a bitter little prick, never did shit, and didn't appreciate what he did have. He made more money than I ever did in the business, and somehow he was just a Mark about it, dude. You know, I treat what, what, because I'm a fucking drug addict and now, you know, trying to recover from alcohol. Guess what? That's the fucking. That's a lot of us in the business. Don't be judgmental because you're fucking. Oh, I never did fucking drugs or drank. He's a piece of shit, dude. He's a fucking wine and crap fucking artist. Don't worry, his game ran out. Nobody wants to book him. He don't get work. Go fucking suck my dick, Stevie Richards. Yeah, I said it. All right, and I'll never and I, and, 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 and I never said shit like that about anybody. Because I take it offensively because I've always been very positive about everybody. I've never said anything like that. He was one of the only people that have ever attacked me like that in the business. And I've never even listened to his comments. But I know that it's out there. So just for anybody to say that shit, that's just, that's so dismissive and disrespectful. So dismissive and disrespectful. I treated him nothing but kind. Say that about me, dude. It is bullshit. Why don't you say that about other people, dude? I never treated you bad. You're a piece of shit. He's opportunistic piece of shit, Ramble. I'm better than you. Uh, that is. Sorry. Had to get my shit out. Got to make this podcast hey. worth something. You, you, you got your shit in. Oh. Got my um, shit in, brother. Get me, get your shit in, dude. <laughs> That's all that matters these days. Just get your shit in. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it seems you know, and it's crazy because ECW did seem like such a tight knit locker room, and it seemed like more or less everyone got along. You know, not got along, but at least everyone was civil towards each other. There uh, was there any ECW locker room drama you remember? We thought, oh my god, these guys are gonna kill each other. Me first, no, no, never, never. Um, as as far as I, I mean, I always hung. First of all, I always hung with the younger guys. I always liked the younger cats. I never, you know, but uh, no, never, never. Everybody was, uh, it was as tight-knit as everybody says. That's what's even worse, you know, that's what's kind of more shocking about it, you know, uh, about Stevie saying stuff about me. Of course, he he made the first strike, you know, because whatever, I don't know, whatever he he has, it's not on me, but I don't don't fucking think about it, but... uh, you know, no, everybody got along. I mean, I see Tommy Dreamer all the time. I, Tommy and I, I mean, you know, bitter rivals in the ring, but uh, he helped my family. He helped my career. He made my career. Uh, Sandman made my career. Sabu made my career. Shane Douglas, so many of the greats helped. Rob Van Dam helped make my career. And we're all grateful to each other. And, you know, I have no heat with anybody. So uh, that's very shocking. That's why I take kind of so heat, you know, so like for our, so Gur towards it was like I've never been anything but kind to everybody. Uh, that's not my deal. I'm not one of those guys. So, but anyways, whatever. It's, you know, but no, uh, the, the ECW guys for the most part, I I never saw heat. Dude. It was very few and far between. I, and if there was, I never got involved anyways, and I wouldn't even know about it. And now I just, you mentioned. I just, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna say you you mentioned Shane Douglas. And he did a long string of ECW union shows for a few years. It seemed like he did them. Was there ever a time we were just like, man, I'm tired of doing these ECW reunion shows. Like, you know, let's move on from that. Honestly, yes and no. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Because uh, the no means there was just still so much unfinished business. That unfortunately, I don't think uh, none of the superstars in ECW, the guys that, uh, and I'm not saying myself, uh, I won't even put myself in that class, the Sabu, the Shane Douglases, et cetera, the, the greats, you know, and the list goes on. Uh, those guys, I don't think they ever got to close the books, and I hope I would be a close second to those names. But if I'm not, I'm not, whatever. It's not an argument. Uh, it's just, I'm just saying, like, I don't think the, the book, I don't think uh, we were ever satisfied with the way history was closed, with the way it's uh, still projected today through uh, WWE-only media. It's like, you know, you're only uh, as good as the last WWE documentary about ECW, which means if you're not in favor with WWE, like Raven, what the fuck, one of the greatest characters of all time in ECW barely gets mentioned. Right, you know, I mean, not, not really, uh, but still, like, it's one of those <laughs> things. You know, it, it, it's still, it's you know, he was very historic. You know, the Dudleys, obviously, Dreamer, most uh, definitely a Sandman, most of that. But you know, um, it's weird. It's just weird. Van Dam, of course. Um, you know, but it's a, it's weird. So there's a lot of unfinished business, and I think a lot of the guys, when you mention ECW, will always have way mixed emotions, where it's like. You know, it's it's like the oh my god, what was that book? Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of uh, best of times. It was the worst, the worst of times. Worst of times, yeah. Yeah, you know that's it's Tale of Two Cities, dude. You know it was the you know it was that epic. Um, I wouldn't have changed anything, but it was very 
you know, in a way competitive and still unfinished. But of course, now we're all old men, so it doesn't matter anyway. So, you know, yeah. So, hey, whatever. Do you, do you still keep in contact with a lot of guys you work there with? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, I, I, I would like to think, I mean, the guy I see the most is Dreamer, but I, I don't keep a uh, phone contact with Tom. Um, Lance Storm, Once in a Blue Moon, um, Shane Douglas, uh, Sabu, and that's about it. Van Dam, Once in a Blue. Those are the five guys, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. I mean, it, it's, it's, but it's not a, it's not a, a dis, you know, it's not a one, one way or another thing. It's like, when you see guys uh, on the road, it's like, you know, you meet up with them and you haven't seen them in five years. It's like no time has passed, you know. Uh, that's the magic of touring. That's the magic of pro wrestling. Uh, you know, you just you see people and it's like, no, you know, it's like, wow, the last time I saw you, brother, you know, holy shit, it was five years ago, dude, you know. And it's like that, you know. So, no, uh, you know, I have, again, it's like, you know, I, I love to see my uh, ECW brethren. Definitely. Now, um, talking about ECW, someone I think that doesn't get a lot of credit or enough credit is um, Jerry Lynn, because it seems like WWE, especially when they do these documentaries, they look past it. I mean, Jerry Lynn was phenomenal in that ring. Oh, he was, again, Jerry was one of the guys that made my career. He was my first ever ECW uh, win on television. Ever, he was in the, he, it was uh, him and I in the ECW arena, um, uh, you know, and uh, he put me over with the the original. Uh, we did the reverse into the tombstone, then I hit him with a spin DDT, and then Paul actually said, you know, instead of doing the spin DDT, you should do the the tombstone. Um, but Jerry was the mastermind between all those classic, and and Jerry carried a lot of main events with him and Van Dam, if you remember. You know, Jerry was the money man. You know, he was the unsung hero of so many great pay-per-views where it was him and RVD, and they would go at it for 30 minutes of amazing wrestling, man. But, you know, Rob was, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the guy, the star, and Jerry was that up-and-coming, you know, even though Jerry had been around for a long time, he was still presented as the underdog. And, uh, man, to, you know, without, without Jerry Lynn, there would be no Rob Van Dam. Without Jerry Lynn, there would be no Justin Credible, and many others. I mean, it's just the start, but I mean, he he made Van Dam, he made me easily, and I mean, Rob would made we, Rob would have made himself either way, but just the matches. If you go back in history and watch Van Dam and Lynn, whew, those guys, man, it was off the it was, it was off the chain, dude. Those guys rocked it every night. And and how incredible is it that? Uh, Aldo Montoya and Mr. JL main evented a pay-per-view together. Ain't that the shit, dude? Hey, could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine that? That's good research on you, buddy. Um, yeah, right. dude. Uh, it's it is crazy. Two two masked grapplers. You know. Um, yeah, it's it, it's nuts, dude. And it, it was a perfect. I mean, and and it couldn't have been in a better situation. Um, you know, I was the champion for about five months, world champion, and it was Jerry's hometown. You know, we're in uh, St. Paul, which I infamously, um, you know, did the Hogan. Uh, well, not as not as bad when he called. Uh, you know, the, we did the Silverdome gimmick when he was obviously at the uh, 
the other oh, game yeah. in New Orleans. Oh, I, oh, well, it was just as bad, though, because St. Paul and Minneapolis are two different gimmicks, two different towns. And mm-hmm. I called it Minneapolis. I called it, you know, Minneapolis, and we're really in St. Paul, and that's like a big fucking deal, right? I didn't know this oh, shit. Yeah. I'm not from Minnesota. Oh, yeah, there's a I, big city rivalry yeah, there. I had no idea, dude. I'm just like, what town are we in? What town are we in, brother? Where are we? You know. <laughs> Thanks, thankfully anyway, for you, Botchamania wasn't around then. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I know sold to like a champ anyways. Like I do most of the shit in my life. But nonetheless, I digress. No, it was it was awesome, dude. And, and we rocked it. It was so cool, dude. Jerry was so... But Jerry always kept, he was, man, I guess he'd been through so much in his professional career and his, you know, uh, pers- you know personal life. Uh, yeah. He was just so grounded. And he was just so freaking cool. Jerry Lynn was one of the nicest, kindest, but also most amazing professional wrestlers you'll ever meet and ever have the pleasure of getting in the ring with. I mean, he was... He was like next level. To this day, I guarantee you there's not. Not that I, I'm not talking about fancy moves. I mean, yeah, there's guys that can do a lot of fancy shit, but unless you're in the ring with them and you you don't see them, there's shit that JL does, you don't even know he's doing until he does it himself. Like, you, you know, I, I say it's like Ric Flair kind of shit. Like, he puts you into shit you don't even realize you're going into. You know, he made you that much better. So Jerry Lynn is a performer was top notch man I mean he's like he's like to me one of my he's my top one of my top five that I've and I've been in the ring with everybody he's you know he's one of my top five easy easy you know and I've been in the ring with Undertaker Kurt Henning uh, Scott Hall Shawn Michaels man there might not have been Kurt Angle yeah Kurt Angle but again may, may not have been main event matches in some of those situations but for me uh, Jerry Lynn top five of anybody I've ever wrestled. Easy. Yeah. Actually, just saw something just come across. Now, I know you're a big Star Wars fan and a big music fan. Um, oh, yeah. And it looks it looks like the next Star Wars movie is going to be John Williams' last Star Wars as the overseer for the music. Oh, I heard. I know. I don't know if it's just... Yeah. It just I, I don't think it would be the same without him... Overseeing that well, music. You know what? I um I think there's enough that they they can just you know I'm sure they they'll have the rights to the score. It's just, oh, yeah. now I think you know he's at a certain age you know and it, and it becomes like anything else art. He's at a, at a certain age where I think his creative juices have flowed. He's kind of painting by numbers. And again, I don't know the man. Jeez. I'm, I'm I'm totally projecting this uh, on him, which is not fair. But, uh, you know, you might think, like, he's kind of just, all right, like, I'm, I'm older, I'm done, I'm in my 80s. Um, and I'm, I would assume that the next composer would be able to pick up where they left off in his own right. Um, that's easy to say, but I'm not a musician, I can't say. But, uh, man, just it's, just the body of work that that man has left behind, dude, I, I, think, I think that the Star Wars universe could easily find a way to, you know what I mean, to uh, kind of, I guess, inspire it. It'll inspire it. You know what I mean? Big shoes I think to the, the, fill. Build, oh, huge shoes to fill, but I, I honestly think you could do it. Or anybody. I mean, the franchise itself can do it. But who knows what's going to happen? I'm, I'm curious about what's going to happen in Episode Nine. It's actually, 
I can't wait to start getting into that conversation, man. I mean, we got to we got to start switching from pro wrestling into other stuff. Uh, one hey. of the things I want to get into is the new season. I don't know if you're into this, Jay, but um, I hear some shit about The Walking Dead that Rick Rick Grimes is going down. Uh, you know, this season, episode five. That's yeah, I, I heard he wasn't about. coming back after this one. No, Andrew Lincoln is certainly not coming back. Uh, I, I through the through the news wires and stuff like that. I, he, he definitely they already you know did the swan song, but I, it's projected it's going to be episode five, and um, it'd probably be the mid season finale. I would imagine. Um, but I'm oh, curious yeah. to see you know is that is that the uh, is this the downfall of the you know eventually every every great series has its has its demise. Jump in uh, the shark. Uh, the, yeah, the old happy days, the fun, right? <laughs> Jumping the shark. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think uh, I think they've jumped the shark, and I think Andrew Lincoln is little, you know, kind of last. You know, Norman Reedus might be able to carry it for another year or another season, which I love. I love Norman Reedus, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the departure of Andrew Lincoln and uh, the kid that played Carl. What's his name? Jeez. But it's um, but uh. I know the kid's name if I saw it. Jesus Christ, I'm just bad right now with uh with that stuff. But anyways, you know, just all the guys that have gone. It's just like one of those Chandler things. Riggs. Chandler Riggs, he's awesome, dude. That kid, I if you watch him from uh, season one, episode one, to to you know oh, yeah. to when he uh, he got killed off. I mean, he he literally was a you know he, he that series made him a man. You know, and that's, yeah. that's an amazing that's an amazing journey for any kind of professional, whether it's an actor, professional wrestler, uh, athlete, anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, hats off to those guys. Uh, they put on an amazing show. But uh, oh, I got oh, I got the that make a good episode of Talking Dead. <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> and Talking Dead from Vader. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Very cool. Yeah, I think that would make a uh, conversation when retweet that. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the controls over here. I'm, I'm doing are, are, with now, uh, 19. Go ahead. Are, are, you a, are you a Trekkie at all? Dude, are you kidding me? You can't do Star Wars and Star Trek together. <laughs> no, I hate Star Trek. Do you You're really? You're one or the other. Yes, you got to be one or the other, dude. Oh, you, you can't, can't do, you, you don't have to choose. You can't. No, that's a crock of shit, dude. You cannot be <laughs> in Star And anybody out there in the podcast listening, Tell me right now if you if you if you could coexist Star Wars and Star Trek. If you can, you're better people than I am. I personally, I, I mean, I love them both. I, I we may have heat now. Me and you may have heat now. Oh, because. you might do that. I'll I'll come. I'll get I'll get color on you, brother. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no. No, I mean, I you know what? I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna step back for a minute and give you some props. The last two episodes. What's that kid's name? The good looking kid. Was it the kid that's in Wonder Woman? Chris Pine. Oh, Chris Pine, yeah. The new ones with uh, JJ, uh, JJ, what the fuck's his name? Abrams. JJ Abrams. Abrams. Those last two uh, uh, films were quite. They were. They were amazing. But they. they that seemed like different. Stuff. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm talking the original series, um, the next generation. Not a fan of. When you're talking about uh, the last two films that they put out into the universe. I, I I did like that those films those are good pictures but uh, other than that dude nah not the only no, Star Wars or Star Trek man blood it's a blood war right there well, the, war, the next the, other. the next movie they actually got rid of Chris Pine he's not going to be he did not sign on for the next movie 
It must be so, nice to turn down that work. Must be nice to turn right. down that work. I'm just saying. I mean, if they need some. If they need someone to, uh, you know, cast in his place, you know, uh, Justin Credible is available for acting gigs. Uh, yeah. You can find him on Twitter and. Yeah, if they need an ugly bald guy, sure. Hey, they could bring back Picard. You, you could be the young version of Picard. The young, the young old gassed up version of uh, Captain. Pr- yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Poor Sir Patrick, dude. Sir Patrick Stewart does not deserve that. I'll give him that much props, dude. He does not deserve to be even mentioned with my bless. <laughs> I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how you, how I feel about you trying to make people choose between Star Trek and Star Wars. Oh, uh, look, I got, I got, I, I got people right here saying, "I hey, look, I got people completely validating what I said." Uh, thanks for the oh, shout out, brother. And I, I agree. I, I look. Thanks for the shout out, brother. And I agree. Versus Star Wars versus Star Wars slash Star Trek. So there you go. It's one or the other, man. You can't put oh, both universes. You can't. I, dude. You That's like, I thought that was a given. I thought it was a given thing in like the comic book realm. I could be wrong. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's like saying you can like that's like saying you can like Marvel and DC. You got to pick one of the two. It's okay to like both. It is sort of. It, it's guess. 2018. Give the times, man. Look, I'm not good with choice, man. That's one or the other, brother. <laughs> I'm in okay the I'm, I'm in WO black and white. No black, no red and black for me. I'm not wolf. Oh. <laughs> You're not LWO. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'll be right there. No. I, I like originals. I like originals. That, 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 I really do. It's 2018. It's okay to be by media these days. Yeah, yeah. That's what my daughter says. Sure. I'll be right there. <laughs> she's a big com. No, she's a big comic book fan. And she's like, she's like, she's all over the map. She She loves Harley Quinn. And she loves, like, you know, I'm like, dude, you're either into Batman or you're into you know, Captain America or, you know, Thor or some other stuff. You're not, or Iron Man, I don't know. And they've totally, and in total, and Marvel has totally killed DC and that whole universe. Which oh, yeah. is a shame. Which is a shame. The best thing uh, that DC has going into itself is not even the Joker character, which um, was masterfully delayed by Heath Ledger. And also, a lot of people crush me on this. Uh, I'm a huge fan and I'm of the band 30 Seconds to Mars, Jared Leto. I was a huge fan of Jared Leto's Joker, but not too many people agree. But one person I will agree, everybody will be fans of, is Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, which I'm still, I think, oh, yeah. currently madly in love. I think I'm still madly in love with her, and I might have stalker issues. Um, but that <laughs> I will not, uh, you know, neither here nor there. But uh, I, I hear they're doing something with uh, that whole, uh, like an anthology thing with them, too. With those two characters, with like Harley and yeah, Joker, I did hear that, but I don't think Jared Leto is coming back to play Joker. No, I forgot who they uh, they mentioned some prominent uh, actor, and I can't think of the gentleman's name. Jeez, I can't remember. But somebody, oh, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. That would be that's interesting. No, that's that's the name that's out there. Actually, that's like I think he's actually signed on now. That that's like I'm, it's not even a made up thing. Like I actually heard that uh, on some oh yeah social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, that's that's confirmed actually. That uh, you know, but I, I'm curious if Margot Robbie will be interacting with him because I think she was brilliant. I mean, she's a she's a great actress. I've seen her in other roles, um, and she's just she did the thing with uh, the Nancy Kerrigan movie where she played uh. 
Oh my God! What was that other? What was the heel girl in that? The girl that oh, fuck, slipping my mind. Do you remember the Nancy Kerrigan incident? The ice skater. Oh oh um. She was in that yeah. biopic. I um, she played I, I uh, yeah something. I I know yeah I know I yeah I lost that too bad call yeah. I threw a, I threw a, I threw a softball and I fucking missed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was in that. No, she's done. She's a what I'm trying. She's a great. Margot Robbie's a great actress. She's she's absolutely stunning and beautiful, and she's great. I, I've seen I, Tanya. a bunch of her movies. Yes, yes, Tanya Harding. That's right. Yeah, she's about Tanya, Tanya Harding, Harding and uh, Nancy Kerr, the Nancy Kerrigan deal. And uh, I just I I just can't wait to see uh, Margot Robbie and uh, Harley Quinn again. That's gonna be badass, yeah. dude. Awesome. It, it had. It has Martin uh, Scorsese producing it, so I, it has a good chance to be good. I hope so, man. I, I really do. There's so much. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how uh, how great they can make the, you know. I mean, Chris oh. Nolan's Batman was probably, I mean, I still, to this day, if I have, like, you know, I, a little note for me, like, I have to have something on in the background when I sleep um, to shut the voices off in my head, and that's a shoot. Not voices, but, like, you know, calm my thoughts. So I'll put on, like, old movies that, like, I don't have to remember. Like, just nothing new. Like, just some old... And I'll watch, like, the old school Chris Nolan, you know, Batman, Dark Knight, Batman, you know what I mean? Uh, what, right. Third one, whatever. Bat, Batman Begins, all that shit. And it was just, those were just so fantastic. I just hope we get to see another incarnation of... Uh, of that kind of Batman. And I tell you what, and I, I might get some heat for this. I'm sure I will. Ben Affleck was not a bad Batman. What? When you hear it, oh. when you, dude, uh, when you hear it, it sounds like shit, uh, right? Yeah, Ben Affleck. Uh, uh, I know. It sounds like Raven. Eh, eh, Raven. Eh. Whatever. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And what I don't, about, I don't what about be, me? I don't think we can but be no, friends again that, after this he, podcast. Dude, he was Ben Affleck wasn't that bad. Uh, and I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a fan of it. Well, what do you really have to say about that? Okay, I'm about you know. I really do. Like that's great acting. Put me in a fucking bad costume. And fucking let the dice roll, dude. I'll <laughs> let's go. <laughs> you know. I mean, oh, probably, my you know. Hey, I could be Batman. At least you don't have to see my ugly face. You just said Ben Affleck was a good Batman. I just, I don't, ugh. I don't say, I didn't say it was good. I said he wasn't as bad as we thought he would be when you first heard the name. Because really, what did Ben Affleck do in, in these last uh, couple gimmicks? You know, super, Superman versus Batman, they didn't do shit. And the name, you know, it carries, you're supposed to carry the movie. And then in Justice League, you kind of just like, eh, Ben Affleck. But still, he played a decent Bruce Wayne. He wasn't horrible. Yeah. I mean, really? See, here we go. Vader again. Mm-hmm. I thought he did pretty well. Like, yes, thank you. He did do pretty well. He didn't do horrible. Oh, like, he didn't oh, the bad. Oh, I'm blocking Dude. both you guys on Twitter for that. Oh, come on, man. I'm it wasn't blocking that bad. both you guys. He, I listen, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Maybe I have a, I have a soft spot for uh, for anybody that came out of Kevin James's camp, or uh, Kevin Smith's Kevin camp. James. Okay, well, now, okay I, now. No, my wife, my, my, no, no, I have, I have a Middletown, New Jersey connection. And okay. I knew, like, I literally know that, 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 that there's a whole deal that's going on there. So Dude, I have some respect you, you, for you James. Dropped, you dropped Kevin Smith's name, and now all the heat we had is completely gone. I may be the well, biggest Kevin Smith fan in the world. 
who is you? Oh yeah, I love Kevin Smith. Oh, huge he's fan. Okay. He's the, he's the, he's one of the greatest of all time, dude. I, I oh yeah, he's awesome. I love I love all his movies. Uh, I uh, I I I met uh, several people on the cast of, uh, of Clerks on several Comic Con gimmicks and stuff, and uh, literally the the movie was shot uh, 15 miles from where I owned my first home. Um, so like, and it was around the same era as well, which is scary, which was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But uh, it was just, you know, it was, it was just like he's just that cool vibe. He was the first of like he admitted like I'm a mark. I'm a mark. I'm proud to be a mark, and uh, he celebrated being a mark, you know. And he still does, you know. I, I love listening to his podcasts. I, I, I'm oh, a I guy who listens to his. He has a whole line of. He has a whole network of, of gimmicks that he that he does. I love his stuff. Ah, oh, such a huge fan of his. Do, do you listen to? All, he, do you listen to James and Bob get old? I have not. Oh, you got to listen to it. It's it's amazing, and I think honestly, I think like hearing Jason Muse talk, I think you can resonate with him during these podcasts. It's just, it's <laughs> a great podcast. I'm great. I'm glad you just put us together. <laughs> I'm just that's, saying. That's, I'm just, that's fantastic. You know. That's hot, dude. No, hey, I take it. I I'll take it. He's I, awesome, I just dude. no. I oh yeah, he's he's I amazing. I had the pleasure of meeting him on a uh, it's funny funny story. I was on a red eye from LA back to NYC after like a, a bra or smackdown or some stuff, and we had to fly out to Europe on the Thursday, so we had like one day in between. And I took a red eye and I, I met Jason Muse, and he was exactly like fucked up. As, he was so fucked up at the time, but he was like, "Yo, you're one of you know one of those guys, you know." And he was just like that dude, and I was like, "Thank you." You <laughs> just like made my whole life, dude. You just, you know, kind of dismissive a little bit. Like he didn't care. He, he didn't probably even know where he was. But it was like such a cool, like surreal thing. It was totally cool, dude. Yeah, I just like the New Jersey connection. That, that that's kind of cool. I have like I, I have did, roots in New Jersey. So. I I just uh, tweeted you a picture of a poster that hangs in my wall or hangs in my office. I think you'd really like, get a kick out of it. Okay, I'm waiting. Oh, and uh, here I got another gentleman that said yes, thank you. Affleck was not a bad Batman. Got oh, another one, dude. They're lying. Yeah. Oh, they don't really mean that. Yes, They're working they you. They're working no, you. No, no works involved here. It's all shoot, brother. Just did, like did I'm. Did you see the poster? Did you did you no, see the I poster? Don't. I uh, I, I, I tagged I, you in it. I know I suck, dude. I'm I'm, I'm online. I'm looking. I cannot find it now. Oh, unbelievable! I know. It, it, it's I'm an amazing poster. You'll see it eventually. It's an amazing. It's a. Uh, it's actually a drawing, a poster of a drawing of the original Clerks cast uh, that actually got signed. Oh really? Oh, dude, it's badass. Vader saw it. Vader commented on it. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's funny. Oh, dude, that hangs in my office. (laughs) That's like one of my most prized possessions. I got that. That hangs in my office, and then I have um, two figures from the Mallrat movie. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm a a fucking Kevin Smith, Mark. 
I love them. You two down it off. That's great, dude. That's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Great movies. Great guy. I mean, dude, his live, his live shows. So fun. Have you seen how much weight he lost, though? Yeah, he looks fantastic, dude. He looks absolutely fantastic. Oh, you know, actually, and here we go, the 360 back to wrestling. Chris Jericho is actually going to be in his next movie. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Smith put out a tweet. Uh, he showed a picture of him and Jericho together and talked about how great it was working with Jericho and how he will cast Jericho in every movie he does from now on. Oh, are you kidding me? I yeah. didn't hear that. Holy yeah, it's God. pretty, pretty amazing. Oh, wow. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome, dude. I, you know, Jericho, God bless him, dude. He's... he's He's done so much, dude. I'm so proud of him for what he's done in, in, in music because he's like, you know, he's a, you know, everybody at first thought Fozzie was like uh, a little bit of a rib, but uh, he's a great musician, so talented, so great at what he does. Uh, you know, so over, you know, I'm 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 so grateful that uh, he's around. You know, he's he's a great representation for uh, guys in our field. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's right. cool for the business. He's great for the business. You know. But uh, I gotta start wrapping this up, brother. I, unfortunately, uh, the, the, the the kids and the wives are calling, and uh, <laughs> and I gotta start wrapping this up. But let's start uh, doing the plugs, my friend. Let's do them. Okay, if you want to follow us, you can do so on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/crediblepod, twitter.com/slash/crediblepod. Uh, we got the Patreon going. Um, you know, go over to Patreon, show your support for the podcast, get some really neat things coming to you at patreon.com, of course, backslash credible pod. And they can find you on Twitter as well. Oh, at PJ Polacco, also the YouTube channel, same name at PJ Polacco and, uh, pretty much Instagram all throughout social media. So, uh, you know, Jay, throw it back at you, man. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining in. Thank you for all your support. Everything going on this week has been absolutely insane. We had to throw this podcast out there just to keep it, uh, keep everybody updated and to keep the uh, the content flowing. And I appreciate all your support, everybody that joined in, like you know, on the conversations and stuff. And I appreciate you, Jay, for uh, holding down the fort uh, while I was away. Thank you so much, my brother. Hey, that's what I'm here for. And don't forget also prowrestlingtees.com backslash just incredible. Get you some shirts. My shirt's on the way. I ordered a shirt last week from there. It's on the way. You know, let's show show your support for Just Incredible. Show your support support for the podcast. You know, go out there and you know share us, tweet us, Facebook us, whatever you want to do. Uh, let's help get the word out there. And we'll be back next week for another great episode. And we appreciate you all for listening. Justin, you got anything to say before we go? Just thank everybody for being here, guys. I really appreciate the conversation, and uh, please join us next week, man. It'll be better than this week. Every week is going to get better, and uh, I really appreciate all your support, and uh, keep coming back, man. That is it, and we are out for the week. We will see you all next week. Yo, you dealing with the X Factor. I got everything I ever wanted, and I'll never Yo. get that back. Yo. Oh, I know you hated that factor, but you ain't got to look at me like that. I said you ain't got to look at me like that. I know you're watching what you're doing, you man. What you're looking at? What you're looking at? It will be televised. What you're looking at? You want to rap?
punks like that. She never in my life could I punk like that. I ain't caught like that. I couldn't run like that. I'ma keep it not bitch and then take my hat. Oh, she never back when things look grim. I spent a lot of money and time on whim. I remember the proof. Remember the good times. Remember the orange and I remember the sunshine. It's all gone. That's the thing of the past. The fact remains that it moves real fast. So why you sit around hoping things won't change? I'll be sitting pretty singing, hey, Rocky Ray. Tell you, baby, life's been good to me. And I know that makes you mad, but that's something you can't be. I got everything I ever wanted, and I'll never give that back. Oh, I know you hate that back, but you ain't got to leave. 